0: This evening our Bible reading will come from Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10 where Paul writes by the inspiration of God for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk therein. Please be seated. Please turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. This is Bible Investigation, the class where you ask the questions and the Bible gives you the answers. Tonight's question comes from a woman living in Memphis, Tennessee. She writes... You say that God loves me and that God wants me to obey and that God wants me to be in His church, but you really don't know what all I have done. God can't love me, can He? Now, I've had several conversations with this woman, And I'd have to say, she's had a very colorful past. She has spent several nights in jail. She has been involved in, unfortunately, prostitution, taking drugs, selling drugs, petty crime. And she's done a lot of bad things in her life. And you may right now be saying, well, this lesson is not going to be for me. Because I've not done any of those things. But, don't tune me out. Because in the way that this woman questions that God could really love someone like her, we may have some doubts ourselves about God's love for me and you. You see, we take this question and we turn it into what I call a yes-but statement. We say, well, yes, I know the Bible says that God loves me, but but church is only for good people, and I really don't fit in. Or we say, yes, I know God loves me, but church is for believers, and, and I've got some doubts. In fact, I've got some big doubts that really haunt me. We say, yes, God, I know God loves me, but, but church is for families, and, and I'm from a broken home. I, I really don't know what family is all about. Or we say, yes, I know you say God loves me, but church is for people with good habits, and I've got some really bad habits. Or we say, yes, The Bible says God loves me, but church is for people who grew up in Sunday school and my parents didn't take me and I'm lost as a goose. Or we say, yes, but church is for respectable people and and I've really kind of messed up my life so far. Or we say, yes, the Bible says God loves me, but church is for married couples and, and I'm single. I don't fit in. If those didn't hit you, the next two very likely will. We say this God can't love me as much as, and you fill in the blank. God can't love me as much as He loves the elders because they're so involved. God can't love me as much as He, he loves Billy because Billy's such a great preacher. And I don't measure up. Or we say, I'm not as important as, and you once again fill in the blank. We take it and make it a yes, but statement. I'm here to tell you something this evening. I'm here to tell you that God does love you. In spite of uh, uh, your problems, God does love you. And this lesson is for you. The truth is this. The truth is there is no typical church member. We all have our habits, our hurts, our hang-ups, our our problems, and we all come to Jesus with our own baggage. You see, no one's perfect. The only perfect person ever walked this earth was crucified on on a cross. God's church is for that woman in Memphis and God's church is for you and me if we will obey his word. Why? Because God, God wants to make something out of you. And the church is his workshop where he does that. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You might have at your house a a workshop. And you go out to that workshop and you, you create things in that workshop. Well, the church is God's workshop to make you and me better. To make us in the image of His Son See, God has a lot of history in making people better. God took Simon, Peter, the Simon who denied the Lord, the Simon who said, I don't know the man. God took someone like Simon and he made him the great leader that he was in the early church. God took the persecutor Saul, who even had Christians killed for their belief. And he made him the missionary Paul that that carried the gospel to so many cities. God took the volatile son of thunder, who wanted to call down fire and wipe out a whole village. And he made him into the tender-hearted disciple of love, that we know is John. If God can do all of that, and he did, what all can he do with you? You see, God, God is not against you. God is for you. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, a rhetorical question, if God is for us, who can be against us? God is for us. He's cheering us on. He's on our side. He's, he's, he's the one who loves us beyond any kind of love that we could ever imagine. I think as people, I think as people, it's easy for us to, uh, to visualize God being against evil. You know, God's good, so he's got to be against evil, but sometimes. Sometimes we have trouble realizing that God is for us. We sometimes picture God, and please forgive me if you have a friend that's in law enforcement, because I'm all for law enforcement. But sometimes we visualize God being that state trooper hiding behind the trees, just hoping that you'll go past him so he can turn on his light and catch you. Is that how we see God? Do we see God as wanting to catch us? Or do we see God so proud of His children that He loves us the way He does? You know, I love the story of the prodigal son. But as I had mentioned before, I really don't like that title. Because when I look at that, it's not the prodigal son. It's really the story of two sons. But more than that, it's a story of a loving father. It's a story of a loving father who who was looking for that son to come back. It's a story of a loving father that when he finally saw that son appear on the horizon, he runs to him. Something in their culture you just didn't do if you were a man. You didn't run. That was unheard of. But God runs to us. That father ran to that son and embraced him, even though he, he probably smelled like pigs and he probably looked terrible. God, as represented by that father, loves us in spite of all of our problems that we have in our lives. You must understand there is no repentant sin that God won't forgive. If you will repent, God will forgive you. That's what I told that woman in Memphis. I said, if you'll just repent. You see, she grew up in the church. And as she said, you know, I started off Good, but then I turn real bad. And she's not been back in church until two weeks ago. And, and now she's back and, and she's been going now for two weeks. And yes, she has sought forgiveness. God will forgive. Why? Because God loves you. Ephesians chapter 2, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us. Now, yes, you can and will disappoint Him. You can and will grieve Him. You might even hurt Him, but He won't stop loving you. Notice what Paul says here in Romans chapter 8, verse 35, Who shall Separate us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations, or distress, or persecution, or, or famine, or, or nakedness, or danger, or, or sword? Verse 37, no. In all these things, we are more. What? We conquered it. We conquered it. Why? Because of God. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able. Can you sense the excitement that Paul has right here? I can visualize him getting so excited and, and the words are just kind of coming out. Nothing will stop us nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's church gives us a second opportunity, a third opportunity, a fourth opportunity, how many opportunities you need to become the person that God wants you to become. Jesus... Jesus is your, is your big brother, and the church is where he spends special time with his brothers and sisters. Fellowship, communion, praise, worship. Jesus is with us. Now, I can't say that he's sitting on the second row or sitting on the third row there or maybe on the fifth row back over here. You understand that. He's not in a body form But His Spirit is with us. Jesus is with us when we worship together. Matthew chapter 26, I tell you, I'll not drink again. Uh, He is instituting the communion, the Lord's Supper here. I'll not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus welcomes us. Because he loves us. Jesus welcomes each of us to his church with his offer of salvation to all who will obey. Jesus loves us despite our sins. But as his younger brothers and sisters, he has expectations of us. He expects us to live for him. To live for Jesus 24-7. You see, Jesus never condoned sin. He never did just pass it by and, and, and just give it lip service. To him, sin was wrong always. But he never unfairly judged or hated anyone. Even asking God to forgive those who crucified him. And we today, as His church, we must imitate Him. We must love sinners and hate the sin. Ephesians 5. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. We must stand against issues like abortion, adultery, racism, premarital sex, the abuse of women and children, lying, greed, hurtful deeds. All of those things are sins. Now we probably like in our mind to say, well, that sin is worse than this sin, and that sin is worse than that sin. But keep in mind, Romans six twenty-three: for the wages of sin, S-I-N, is death. All of those sins, it doesn't matter what we may say about them, they're all sins. Jesus requires true repentance. He requires true obedience to His Word, and His church must never offer cheap grace. What's cheap grace? That's watered-down grace. That's saying, well, we know what the Bible says, but we'll just kind of, you know, let you pass on that. We won't talk about that. We won't mention it. We must always stand up for God and God's issues. And we must always make sure that people know where we stand. You see, God's Word, God's Word is eternal and does not change despite popular opinion. You see, we like to always, you know, which, wind is, which way is the wind blowing? And then go that way. But that doesn't work. God's Word is eternal and does not change. With this woman, I have certainly emphasized how wrong the things that she used to do were. Because they were wrong. At the same time, I've tried to let her know how much God wants her in his church. You see, out there in the world... Out there in the world, the devil is against you and me and he's going to do everything in his power to keep us away from God's church. 1 Peter chapter 5, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, he's an adversary. He's working against us. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We need each other. To help build us up against the attacks of the devil. Why did God create the church? Because he knew that we needed the church. We need each other. The encouragement, the love, the instruction, the example. Yes, even the dedication we see in people's lives. Now, Satan... Satan says, well, just look. Look at your sin. He was telling that woman, you don't measure up. Look at your sin. God says, look at my son. There's a difference there. You say there's only one letter. Yeah, there's only one letter difference, but that's a big difference. God says, look at my son. Oh, baby. My son, if the devil can keep you from God's church, he's one step closer to having true victory over you. But you say, well, Michael, I've got a lot of sins in my life. I want to share with you one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament from the book of Isaiah Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. You can change. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Tonight, will you put your trust in God? If you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, believe in Him, repent, confess, be baptized. If you are a Christian, like the woman in Memphis, and you have not lived according to God's Word, if you have brought shame on God's church, if you have brought shame on His Son, if you have not lived up to what you know you should have been living to, you can seek forgiveness just like she did two weeks ago. And God will forgive you. No ifs, ands, or buts. He will forgive you if you truly repent. Tonight, we have a song to encourage you Will you please come while we stand and sing for your encouragement? Would you be free from the burdens of sin? There's power in